Our uh, second reading this morning is from John, John chapter 1. John chapter 1, and I'd like to read that. Verses 1 through 34. And Corey, would you uh, read that for us and then our prayer as we talk about witnessing? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. But the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And God bore witness about him, and he cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came to Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor alive nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptized. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Mm. Uh, we're gathered together this morning to lift up praises to you in similar testimony that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. That he is the one who has made us. And this one who is the Word, who is in the beginning, through whom all things are made, is making all things new. And we are testimony to that fact that we have become children of God. But we've been born not of 
blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You have made us, you have made us new creations through your son by the power of the spirit that we have indeed been baptized. And so we're thankful that we get to offer praises to you. We're thankful for this time in the word to consider your glory as it's been revealed. And we're thankful for it. <laughs> How you have given grace in place of grace through a new and better Moses. And so we're thankful for studying Deuteronomy and knowing what it anticipates and having what it anticipates in forward. We pray that you give grace to our church that we would grow together into that further image of Christ that we would indeed, as we discussed earlier, be imitators of you, Father, through your Son, by the Spirit. We pray that you would send that grace to the churches in this community, these ends of the earth. You give us grace to proclaim the gospel faithfully to those around us who are lost, as we have discussed already today, that there are indeed many lost in our community, that you shine forth that light, that you would bring salvation to all people, so that even those in the government, especially in our community, would see the truth that you have revealed in your word and that they would live and rule in accordance with it. We pray, Father, that you would give grace and strength to our missionaries as they proclaim that same gospel as well. So we pray these things as those who are sinners who extend you this week and grant us uh, repentance and forgiveness and help us to walk in a manner that is pleasing to you, that we would indeed seek to exalt you and not ourselves to see uh, John's and Mary here as well. So give us grace to receive the word. In order to God, as we just continue in prayer before you, God, I pray that as as John so so beautifully um just reveal what it meant to be a true witness to to proclaim that you are the son of god that that he is witnessing to that fact lord may 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 this morning um may your word go forth to the truth of that in our lives and in all ways this morning as we as we open up your word and as we consider just just what does this mean to us Lord, i pray that you would speak so clearly in christ's precious name amen our passage this morning is Deuteronomy 24, verses 8 and 9, as we continue this, this uh, uh, trek through, through Deuteronomy, as we continue at looking as we're, as we're getting ready to, to uh, for the children of Israel to go out onto the promised, the land that had been promised to them. And, and I'm so uh, uh, thankful for the opportunity as we, as we go through this. You know, one of the things that, that I love about, about preaching, and for those who, who have brought taught or preached is it really forces you to think deeply on on the things of god doesn't it you know the, the, there's there's nothing that forces you to spend more time and to think more deeply than to say here stand up and say thus saith the lord what, what does this mean um you know i, I guess I'm, I'm i'm basically kind of a, a, a lazy person you know if if, if i'm you know i i would i would kind of read through something and if i skip through it i would but um it's like this passage this morning. You know, this morning as we read Deuteronomy 24, 8, 9, it's a very short passage. It says, take care. We're in this midst of this, these laws, and we're reading through it. We, we have this Deuteronomy 24, 8, 9. Take care in the case of leprous disease. Be, be very careful to do according to all that the political priest said that shall direct you. As I commanded them, so you shall be careful to do. Remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam, on the way as you came out of Egypt. <clears throat> this is the passage we're going to try to, to understand this morning, and this is the passage we're going to try to apply to our lives this morning. But but if I'll, I'll be 
honest with you, if I was reading this in my devotional, if, if I was just picking it up and I was reading through Deuteronomy, right, and like I have many times, I would probably, I, I might stop and think, huh, that's interesting, and just go right on, right? I would, I mean, how many of us would say when we read this and think, man, I want to figure out how this applies to me. I, I, I want to work on this. You know, I, I, how many of us would say, yeah, that, that, that's me. If, if I'm reading a verse, every verse that, that I'm going to think, you know, how does this mean to us? Would I stop and really think, how is this verse really going to make me profitable for teaching, for peru- for, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness? Do I stop and think, how is, how is God going to use this to make me complete and equipped for every good work, according to Second Timothy chapter 3? You know, I would think, oh yeah, God read this out, but but so what? What am I supposed to do with this? And, and, and you know, and, and this this is this is kind of a, a, a tough verse for our, our our current context, isn't it? Just out of curiosity, how many of you encountered lepers this week? Anybody, you know, run into any lepers at work? No? Huh. And and or even this year. And if you did encounter them, did you think, okay, now? How did the Levitical priest tell me to deal with this? Man. So, so it, 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 it's almost like, did God not know that, that we would be, have a different context? So, that, so when, when, when Paul wrote this in 2 Timothy, he, he just meant that immediate context. But for us, it's different. Of course not. So why did God give us this verse this morning? You know, we, we said we believe that every word is God breathed, and every word is profitable to us, and every word is important to us, including Deuteronomy 24, 8, 9. And right here in this middle section of Deuteronomy, which which is which I feel like has been so applicable in so many ways, you know, a sandwich between stealing the brother of Israel and making a loan and taking his coat and pledge. It seems so as I was thinking about it, it seems so random, doesn't it? And, and, and almost inapplicable to our lives. And, you know, furthermore, as you read over it and begin thinking about it, you know, the verses, it's almost like they didn't apply the way I expected them to. You know, I, I, I was telling Carol as I went through it, you know, as you read through this, it's almost like they, just don't quite, they, they didn't quite fit. Verse 8, take care in the case of leprous disease to be very careful do according to all the priests shall direct you as I commanded them, so you shall careful do. And, and I said this, as I wrote down, this is very straightforward. I mean, it, I, I would say you can read this and 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 you know what to do in the case of lepers, in the case of leprous disease. Obey what the political priest tells you to do. As God commanded them, you, you're to do this. God is telling them through Moses that as I commanded them, this is the way that it is. Then in verse 9, he says, remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam on the way she came out of Egypt. So so let me ask you a question. Pretend like you don't know what happened to Miriam as they came out of Egypt. Wouldn't you think that, that we're referring to a time 
when 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 there was a leopard person in the camp, and Miriam did not regard or obey what the what the Levi said. What do you think that would be the implications? So 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 God's telling him, okay. So when you have a leprous person, you're to obey what the Levites say. Remember what happened to Miriam. Well, you would think then that would mean that 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 there was a leprous person, and Miriam didn't obey the Levites, and she was punished for it. Right? I mean, I, I would. That that just seems kind of logical to me. I mean, as, as I, I, this is an example of how you follow God's instruction regarding leprosy, or maybe some other commandment of the will fall beyond that. So let's take just a minute and, and let's learn, read Numbers 12 and see if this is the case. See if this fits this. And and it's, we're, I'm going to read through the whole chapter and because and, it's, it, it, God said, remember what happened to Miriam? So if we're going to understand this, we're going to have to know what Miriam, what we're talking about. So, and it's, it's not a particularly long chapter. So, Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very meek, more than any of the, more than all people who are on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and to, and to Miriam, "Come out, you three, to the tent of meetings." And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called to Aaron and Miriam. And they came forward, and He said, "Hear my words." Is there a prophet among you? I, I'm sorry. If there is a prophet among you, I will make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles, and he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? And the anger of the Lord is kindled against them, and he departed. So at this point, I'm sitting reading, okay, I haven't seen a leprous person in here yet. I haven't seen Miriam speaking, not, not dealing with it, and the Levitical priest at all. But we know how some of the leprosy, verse 10, when the when the cloud removed, I'm sorry, when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was the leprous like snow. Hmm. And Aaron turned to Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us, because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let not be, let not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes from his, from his, out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, Oh, Lord, please heal her. I'm, oh, God. Please heal her. Please. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be shamed for seven days? Let her be shut out outside the camp seven days. After that, she may be brought in again. So Miriam was shut outside the camp seven days, and the people did not set out on the march till Miriam was brought in again. 
After that, the people set out from Hazaroth and camped in the wilderness of Penan. So where was the Levitical priest telling Miriam what to do? This is not the case at all, was it? Miriam and, and Aaron spoke against Moses, God's servant. And, and also, just so you know, the, the order seems to be important in here. If you notice, at the very beginning, it was Miriam and Aaron. Miriam was put first. From then on, it, it's, it's Moses, Aaron, Miriam, or Aaron, sorry, I keep saying Aaron. Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, or just simply Aaron and Miriam, which would be the order. But in that very first opening statement, it's Miriam and Aaron. And and most uh, many scholars believe it indicates that, that Miriam had taken the lead role, that she was kind of the instigator in this. And that's why the, that she was listed first. As, as high priest, Aaron would generally be listed first. And also he was the brother, even though Miriam was older. Um but but as I said, Miriam's first name first indicates she was the, the instigator of the dispute. Anyway, they spoke against God's leader, Moses, and God struck Miriam with leprosy and she was put outside the camp. Great and important story. But I don't know about you, but I'm thinking, how does this apply to Deuteronomy 24? How is this remember Miriam remember Miriam as an explanation of why we are to obey the Levitical? When they speak of leprosy, we're still missing something, aren't we? There's something in this that we're, we're missing. So the immediate context doesn't really help us though, as we look. So we're, as we look broader in this, and this is why having that 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 context and having this this form has been so important in going through Deuteronomy. As we said from the very beginning, this section of Deuteronomy has used these ten words as a structure, and and, and having that. Helps us know how to, to take this and try to understand this and apply this to our lives. Because at this point, yeah, we can say a lot of things, but but you know, it's like, how do we know there's any truth in that? How do we know we're we're getting this to understand it? So we have to have some hermeneutical principle we're gonna bring to this to try to make it apply. And this verse, this section. It, it, um, this verse is the first part of the new section. The new in our in our division, as we've broken this down, we went from "You shall not steal" to this part, which we begin our new section on "You shall not bear false witness." So, so this we, what we're as we approach this section, Deuteronomy, we're saying this is about bearing false witness. I understand that. Perfectly clear, right? Now I know why we're talking about leprosy. Right? Come on. He's like, no, you're probably like, no, still, still ain't cooking. But I think you will. I think it will. So, as I said, this is about false witness, or, 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 Deuteronomy 5 19, you should not bear false witness, or, or more direct translation would be, and you will not answer to your slash associate or to another vainly or futilely in testimony that when you give testimony it's not gonna be empty it's not gonna be to be to be false it's not gonna be 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 vain you know and and, and this this is about what does that look like and you know 
and for me growing up, I don't know you, when I heard that about you should not bear false witness, how many of you heard that basically that means don't lie? Anybody else? I, I did. I, it's, it's just don't lie. That this was a command to not lie. Or, or maybe we went beyond that about don't speak badly against someone. That that when it says you shall not bear false witness, it basically means you shall not lie. As if that explained all of this. And this is why we need to understand how 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 God in His wisdom has given us Deuteronomy so that we understand what this means and and we can look at this and we can apply it in a way that we need to this morning. You know, it's hard to imagine how the command to not had anything to do with obeying the, the Levites concerning leprosy, isn't it? So what do we do with a passage like this? As I said, we think deeply, not creatively, deeply. First of all, we trust God that he had a perfect plan and that this verse is God-breathed. And we truly need this verse in this place so that we might be made profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness. That we may be complete and equipped for every good work. Do we, I mean, and that, that's the first, when we come to God's word, do we really believe that? That when we read a verse like this, Deuteronomy 24, 8, 9, do we say, God, I, I need this for I need to understand this. I need to see what this means so that I can be equipped for every good work. Or do you think, hey, I don't really get it, so let's just go on to the next one that makes more sense to us. Do we really stop and, and try to and try to dig deep? And that would be probably my first sin I would confess to you this morning. Because as I have looked at this, it, it revealed a couple of sins, but that would be the first one. I have a strong tendency to not dig deep. I don't have to. Oh, there's so much I do understand. Let's go on to that part, or I seem to understand. But God says, no, we, we need this. And so I'm very thankful that by God's grace, he led us to taking these, these, these passages verse by verse by verse. I think Corey would definitely agree. There'd be many verses we'd skip over if we're given a choice in there. Talk about not emissions, right? It's like, we don't need that one to be for every good work. You know, as we've been going through these last few words, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal. I want you to notice that we we repeatedly notice that these are not, first and foremost, prohibitions against actions. These are not these, these, these neg negative statements that these are what you are not to do, that these are commands of how to live. How do you not murder? What does that mean? It means we love God and we love His image because Jesus Christ perfectly loved God and loved the men created in God's image. He perfectly did this and filled this word. So we live after him. That's what it meant. You should not murder. The command to not commit adultery 
is not just about having a pure marriage. It's a picture of this wholehearted devotion to God that our Lord Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled, and we're to live after him by his grace through faith, seek and do also. And by this, you're loving others. The command to not to steal, it's not about taking stuff from others. Instead, it's about loving the image of God in them and seeking that 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 life for them, just as Jesus Christ perfectly fulfilled this. As we talked about last week, he didn't take away life or freedom or joy. Instead, he provides abundant life. And we live after him, seeking that in others. So what does it mean then to not bear false witness? As we start this, this new section, what does it mean for us? This is not just don't lie. First of all, there's an assumption. That if you're not going to bear false witness, that must mean you're going to do what? Bear true witness. There is a true witness you are to bear. There, there, there's this, that you are going to testify in truth. You're going to give a true testimony. And while this seems rather self-evident, what is this to do with leprosy, right? I mean, as I consider this, that if this is about bearing false witness, then how does verse 8 take care in case of a leprous disease to be very careful to do according to all that the Levitical priest shall direct you? And I commanded them, you shall carefully do this. So how, what does that to do with bearing false witness and true witness this morning? And this is where we come to, I think, the very, very applicable part for us as believers. And this is where it gets really important for us. Because when we look at, at what did the what did the Levitical priests do in regards to, to leprosy, or or what was it? So let's look at these commands. What was as Levi as the book of Leviticus laid out the priests how they were to respond to leprosy? What did that look like? What did that mean? So as we look at Leviticus verse chapter thirteen, and we could we could go on. We're just going to look a little bit of this and pick out some verses. In Leviticus 13, starting in verse 1, this passage on, on how to deal with leprosy. So God is teaching the, 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 the priest how to deal with leprosy, and this is how, what you're to, to teach others. And, and, and God said, just, you need to know this to follow this. Leviticus 13, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priest. And the priest shall, shall examine the diseased area on the, skin of his flat, on the skin of his body. And if the hair in, that, in the diseased area, air, the area has turned white, and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. So, so we look at, and what did the priest do? They would look at this and say, that's unclean. Or they would look at this and say, that's clean. 
That was their role. That was their job. Verse 8, the same chapter. And the priest shall look, and if the eruption has, has spread in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. Is the leper's disease. Verse 11. In a chronic leper's disease, it, it is a chronic leper's disease on the skin of the body, and the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not, and he shall not shut him up, for he is unclean. Verse 17. And the priest shall examine him, and if the disease, if the disease has turned white, then the, the, the priest shall pronounce the disease person clean. He is clean. Wait a minute. He, he doesn't treat him? He doesn't heal him? No. He didn't do any of that. What about if he sees leprosy in the house? He proclaims it as unclean. Or if he sees leprosy on a garment, the priest would proclaim that or pronounce that as unclean. So that's it. So do you think we're past we're coming to the very mean in this verse? That, that to obey the Levites was to treat the things as, I'm sorry, to treat unclean things as God proclaimed them as unclean. We're to look at things that are unclean and say, that's unclean. And things that are clean and say, that's clean. And treat them that way. To bear, to, to bear true witness would be to proclaim the things, to, I'm sorry, to proclaim clean things as clean and to proclaim unclean things as unclean. That this would this would be this would be a true witness. And the joy is knowing that Christ perfectly fulfilled this. He was the true witness. When when John 1837, Herod is, is questioning Jesus, and Jesus answered, You say that I am the king for this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world. To bear witness to the truth, to be a true witness to God and things of God. It's this, this is what I'm here for. Everyone who is of truth listens to my voice. And when you consider that Jesus touched lepers, you might be tempted to say, Well, he didn't really obey the biblical all. No, Christ revealed that the problem of uncleanliness is not the leprosy, it was the heart. That was the problem. So, so to bear true witness it, that we're seeing in this section is, is introduced through the command to obey the Levitical priests concerning the leprous ones by treating as unclean the things that God says are unclean and treating as clean the things that God says are clean. And I would even go beyond say that it's not just how we treat them. We're to proclaim them as clean and unclean as we follow Christ. As First Peter 2 said, we are a royal priesthood. This is our responsibility. And I think this is, this is so important for us today. 
because we live in a world right now that as we as we're talking this morning, I thought about this this passage and we're talking this morning and talking about what happened even yesterday with with the gay pride and and, and what's going on all around us and every day. How do we stand up and say that's clean and that's unclean? Well, first of all, we understand that that we're to only to do as God commanded, that this is God's word. And 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 we 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 have to be faithful in this. But we have a responsibility to pronounce as clean the things that are clean and pronounce as unclean the things that are unclean. This is bearing true witness. This is how we are to follow Christ in this. But then we still have one little problem. How does Miriam fit into this? Why does God tell us to remember Miriam? As we said in verse 9, remember what the Lord your God did to Miriam. On the way as you came out of Egypt. And this is where it gets really hard for me. Even Miriam. Even Moses' sister. Was put outside the camp. When she was unclean. When, when she was. When, 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 when God said. No and what she doing? She, she brought shame. She's, she's unclean. Even she was put outside the camp. It wasn't like, oh, well, we're just, we're just, she'll just stay in her tent. We'll, we'll just gather the man and four. She'll just stay in her tent. We're just, we're just kind of passing the end under the door. God said, no, Miriam. You remember Miriam? That one who took and hid you in the bulrushes? That one who, 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 who was there and, and, and spoke up for you? From, from from your birth, the one who, who who interceded for you with 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 Pharaoh's daughter, that one, yeah. She's unclean. Put her outside the camp. That's wouldn't that be hard? Can you imagine imagine being there in that in that situation? This is Miriam we're talking about. Surely God would not have Moses and Aaron, Miriam's co-conspirators. Aaron, who is co not Moses, of course, but Moses, Aaron, the co-conspirator, pronounced her as unclean. We are to proclaim a true witness as to the clean and unclean, even when it's hard, and treat things that are that are unclean as unclean. But ultimately, this passage about bearing witness to the truth. A true witness. As we read from John chapter 1. And John bore witness. And you know, the witness is such a critical word in, you know, in John. John, when he wrote this, his gospel, he used that word 32 times. More than all the other New Testament writers put together. This, this It's about witness. It's, 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 the idea is, is as if you're on trial and you're standing up and you're giving a testimony. And God, this is what we're talking about. When we're talking about true witness that that's not vain, that's not futile, that's not empty. You're, you're, on test, you're on trial. And you are to give testimony to the truth. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove and it remained on him. Did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with the water said to me, He on whom 
you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is the one who baptized with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. He said, he said I didn't know who it was. God just said, you're going to see this happening. And I saw it, and that was him. And so I am going to be a true witness of that. God has said, this is my beloved son. We are to be true witnesses of this. And God has said, there are things in our world that are unclean. We are to be true witnesses of that too. And what's really amazing about this is, is the, the thing about leprous disease is it was clear. You know, it wasn't like, like, like the COVID test. You know, you got to take them, cram them up their nose. And, you know, it wasn't like that. No, it was clear. It was, that's leprous. God said, I'll, I'll make it clear for you. You're going to see it. Now, say, that's unclean. And I, I fear, I, I fear in our, in our lives today that we're not comfortable with saying that's unclean. I think we're, oh, you know, we got we got to be understanding. We got we got to be we got to be compassionate. Remember Miriam. Remember Moses' sister. When God revealed uncleanness in her life. Sorry, Miriam. Outside the camp, Aaron's like, but this is Miriam we're talking about. Sure, you won't punish her. And God said, Man, if, she would, if she would spit in your father's face, she'd be changed seven days. Look what she did. Do you, do you understand the severity of this? No, outside the camp. And they obeyed and didn't move for seven days. We are to bear true witness. And as we look at this, and as we talk about this in the, in the section, as we look on in these other passages, and we see what that looks like, and, and how do we, particularly how we deal with our finances, do, do, do our finances bear true witness to who God is and the glory of God? The way we, the way we treat one another, does it bear true witness of, of our understanding of who God is? Do we proclaim that in all that we do? I hope as we look at this section, we have a much better understanding of what it means to be a false witness as we look at what it means to be a true witness. Let's pray. Lord God, as, uh, as we come to this part, part of our, our service, Lord, as we, as we look at, 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 at partaking in, in, in this Lord's Supper this morning, May we, may we hear the, the call to be a true witness. That, Lord, when we, when we are, 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 are partaking this, as we, as we are testifying to the death of our Savior, may we be a true witness in that. May we do so with that understanding that, that it's only by your grace and your grace alone. That 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 it is that our hope of standing before you is found in that broken body that's symbolized by the bread and by that covenant that's made in the in your blood that's symbolized by the wine. That this is it. This all this is all we have. 
And Lord, we have nothing else besides you. May we be true witnesses of that this morning. As you have commanded us. Lord, we ask that your grace would be so, so sufficient in all things in Christ's name. Amen. As I said, this is, uh, this, we have, we're going to, uh, to do the, taking the Lord's Supper this morning. And as Paul instructed the church and how to do this, he said, for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim, you witness to the Lord's death until he comes. So this morning, I pray that as we come to this, that we are true witnesses of this. We're true witnesses to what this means to us. Paul, as he instructed the church, he, he warned them, he he told them of, of the, the problems that he was hearing there. And that 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 because of this, that many were asleep and weak. And he warned them that that they are to 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 that in verse 27. Who therefore eats the bread of the cup of the Lord in an, in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat the bread and drink the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. This is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judge ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So we come this morning, the first thing we do is just ask God to judge us and, and to reveal. May we be true witnesses that this is our only hope that's found in you. So I'd ask, Jeff, would you pray for us as we examine ourselves and take, take just a moment to look Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that we get to reflect and consider the goodness it is in your provision. You gave your son, you gave his body to be broken, you gave his blood to be spilled so that we might be cleansed and fed, that we might come to know true righteousness with the same side. We pray, Father, that we would look for no other satisfaction than that, that we would not chase after our sin, but that we would turn to Christ in your more and more of his goodness and his sweetness and that we would image him through our obedience. We pray now as we partake in the Lord's Supper that we would taste and see that the Lord is good and we would see him as our all sufficiency. That we would examine ourselves rightly. That we would be sober-minded about the way we keep partaking the elements. That we would come with more humble and needy and submit our only hope as Christ. And this this time now is the means of worship of the Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in the Amen. And so they could come and serve the elements we have to, uh, and we will take partake them together, of course, as as our habit. As Paul instructed the church in uh, 1 Corinthians, he wrote to them and said, 
For I received from the Lord, but also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Alex, would you pray and, and thank the Lord for the bread he provided? Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can worship you together in this act of uh, uh, taking this bread and remembering uh, your son's death, burial, and resurrection on the cross. We pray that each one of us would examine our hearts, that we would be, uh, uh, that please forgive us of the sins that we have committed against you, and that uh, we would continue to live in righteousness and holiness after your son. We thank you for this opportunity, this, this time that we have to not only uh, proclaim your son's death, burial, and resurrection, but also to proclaim this together <coughs> as a local body. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Let us proceed. In the same way, which we take to mean also with prayer of thanks and thankfulness, he took the cup after the supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often you drink it in remembrance of me. I want to thank the Lord for the, for the cup, blood of the covenant. Father, Lord, thank you so much for this uh, blood, still blood of Lord Jesus Christ. That cleanses our heart, Lord, washes away our sins. Lord, what a beautiful, beautiful day for this is of enjoying this at your time. We thank you, we love you, Jesus, and we pray. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And may it be a true witness in all of our hearts. Tony, let's all stand. <laughs> 